Thank you so much for agreeing to Skype with us today. Um, it is a pleasure to see you and talk with you, and um, you guys are just so special and so kind and dear. Oh, thank you. You, you're so kind. Thanks to all of you guys who are there willing to, to talk to us and see us. Is Robin there as well? Will she be able to be a part of the Skype? Yeah, yeah, sorry. She was getting ready for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Look, she's looking pretty for the camera. She is always beautiful, but we appreciate her efforts. She's even more stunning now. So great to see you, Robin. Such a blessing to see you. Thank you, Jill. Hi, ladies. I guess we'll just go ahead and get started then with our Skype and... You know, we know that you're serving there in Mexico City and that, um, Luis, you are pastoring a church with some other men and then also involved in, in the training center there. Right. That's correct, Jill. So um, I want you to tell us about yourselves. So why don't you just go ahead and tell us um, what type of homes you were raised in? Uh, were they non-Christian or Christian? Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents go to Grace. They're in Joiners and... And I think I was saved probably my last year in high school um, and was slowly understanding the gospel, realizing that I couldn't be saved by my works. And so that was a blessing for me. And I met Luis at the Master's College. And Luis, you came from a Christian home as well? No, uh, my parents, uh, I was born and raised in Mexico City. And uh, my parents... Uh, uh, were Catholic, and my parents didn't hear the gospel until they were in their 40s. And uh, it was in my teenage years when I was exposed to the gospel, and the Lord saved me when I was about 18. And then uh, got to uh, Master's College in 94, and then uh, met Robin when I was in the middle of seminary. Did you ask that, or I'm going too far ahead? No, that's okay. Um, Robin mentioned that she met you at Master's College. Yeah. But let's slow down just a little bit because some of these ladies may not have met you before. And we just want to know, how did you meet at Master's College? In the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get to know each other? Why did you, what did you do? Take an instant liking to one another? Was it love at first sight? What happened? Well, I saw her and I, I had heard of her because... Her roommate uh, was friends with my sister, and then I saw her, and I I saw her, and I thought she's very cute. But then you know the spiritual uh, the spiritual mind kicked in, and I thought we need to get to know her. <laughs> and then uh, she was working in the library with my sister, and my sister I think wanted me to marry her, so she was working on that, and also. We went to Grace uh, with a group of friends from the college, mm -hmm. and that's how we uh, got to know each other as we drove back and forth from the college to the services at Grace. Oh, that's wonderful. What a blessing to have such a wonderful sister, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> she certainly picked out a good wife for you. She did, yeah. She was very kind. <laughs> so um, why don't you tell us, you know, once you met and um, got married, what what caused you to decide to serve over there in Mexico? Well, uh, I always wanted to go back to Mexico uh, because of the of uh, as I 
you, as once I became a believer, the churches we visited didn't preach the word, and I was exposed to the word, to the ministry of uh, of John, our pastor, and I wanted to see a church that modeled that. So my desire was, while I was at Masters, to just come back and uh, and just seek to be faithful to preach the word, and and uh, that was our desire. And and uh, Robin also, in the providence of God, wanted to come to Latin America. Yeah. <laughs> well, why didn't you tell them? What happened with Ecuador and all of that? That was before my grandparents were missionaries in Ecuador. So I had always imagined myself working in a missionary school and being a teacher or something along those lines. And I liked Spanish a lot. So, you know, the Lord just sovereignly puts those things in your path. And I learned as much Spanish as I could in high school. And you know, the Lord knows where you're going. <laughs> so I was already very interested in, in doing that. But Luis's sister convinced me to change my major to home economics. <laughs> <laughs> so you were going to be a teacher and then you changed to home ec, huh? Yeah, but that's okay. I'm glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're married. Um, and Luis, you attended seminary. Did you start having children while you were here in seminary? Or tell us... How that happened. How, tell us about your family a little bit, your children. We got married. Uh, I did seminary in four years. Uh, right in the middle, we got married. Robin still had a year to go to finish at Master's College, and I had two years to finish at seminary. Uh, one year after we uh, we got married, she graduated. Then we, uh, I think we had our first one until Olivia was born. Uh, she was born in March, on March 2, and we were sent out by grace. Uh, I was graduated that same year in May, and we were sent out in August of 2002. That was our first one. And then you can tell them about this another two. <laughs> well, Rodrigo is a year younger than Olivia. He's 13 months younger. So we got to Mexico City had really high altitude. I don't know how many. Uh, a mile and a half. A mile and a half. And I kept thinking that I would, had terrible morning sickness. No, I thought that it was the altitude sickness. <laughs> but I actually was having morning sickness. <laughs> and we found out we found out that I was pregnant with Rodrigo when he was four, I was four months along. And so he came real quick after Olivia. And Ana Gabriela was born in 2005. <clears throat> By one week, if not, it would have been 2002, 2003, and she decided to stick it out inside and come in 2005. <laughs> so, <laughs> but she was born here in Mexico. How old are, are the kids now? 12, 11, and 9. And how are they doing there in Mexico? Do they speak fluent Spanish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is their favorite thing to to do there in Mexico City? You know, do they have a total favorite activity? Olivia loves soccer, and we found a girl soccer team that she's on. Rodrigo loves um, all things related to art, so we're working on trying to find him art classes, and we haven't been able to do that yet. And Ana Gabriela likes to sing. And there's a lady who's 
teaching her singing. So this year has been lots of new activities. Good. <laughs> That's they, what they're busy with, and I'm busy. They also enjoy eating uh, different kinds of yeah. foods because here in uh, Mexico City, there's a lot of people from different parts of the world, and so you find all sorts of uh, you have you find food of from different countries. And so uh, they really enjoy that when, you know, when there's something special, they like to go out and, and eat that or just Mexican food uh, just here at home. Or So they enjoy that. That's part of Mexican living, as you know. Food is a big thing here. You talk and eat, you talk and eat, and you work when you have spare time. No, no, that's an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. I think food is a big thing here, too. We, you know, we also have so many different kinds of food and I always think maybe, I don't know, maybe the food is better there in Mexico City, but I always think maybe it's the best here in Los Angeles, too. <laughs> yeah, that they, it's a good competition there. So I didn't really tell you I was going to ask you this question, but how about your kids? Are they growing in the Lord? Do you want to just talk a little bit about that? Are they, you know, as you teach them the scriptures, are they grasping it and um, embracing it? Yeah, well, we are, uh, every morning uh, I teach them the Word, and I am uh, trying, It's maybe it's a little weird, but we, uh, I, I, we're going to Revelation right now, and I'm writing Revelation phrase by phrase in Greek and then in Spanish below it, and I explain to them just about three to five minutes every morning, because, you know, they're, we're in the morning rush, and... Uh, just, you know, try to do that. Of course, the most important aspect is when is to try to teach them in the context of daily living and uh, just seeking the Lord uh, to give us wisdom as they start their teenage years. And uh, at this point, the three of them, they're pretty receptive. And uh, so we're, we're grateful to the Lord for that. Uh, we're praying, of course, that uh, the Lord will open their hearts to the truth. You know how it is with little kids. Uh, you wonder at times when it's really the spirit producing desire in them, or maybe it's more motivated by the peer pressure and the parents. At this point, I mean, they seem to enjoy going to a Bible study, uh, being at church. So we pray that uh, this, uh, you know, all these seeds, the Lord will cause them to to sprout, and uh, you know, uh, they will they will they will really uh, they, they'll come to know Him. Yeah. So um, now, are they going to a Christian school? I can't remember. I know they go to a private school, but is it also Christian? Do they get the same teaching at school, or are you kind of the only source? They do go to a Christian school, and it's a private school. It's American. The main emphasis of the school is probably English, and then Bible. Um, it's a typical kind of Baptist, Arminian um, school with most people nowadays, it seems to be quite mystical, no? a little charismatic. You know, you, you hear about different missionaries. It's a lot of missionaries are at the school. So we get to hear about all the fun things that missionaries bring from the United States to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. And really it's given us, I mean, to be honest, uh, uh, from the, you know, from one standpoint, uh, you know, we wish that they had strong doctrine. They don't have good teaching, really. 
But from another standpoint, the Lord has uh, providentially given us opportunities to instruct them. For example, they had a teacher who is very sweet. Uh, you know, we think that she knows the Lord. I mean, she's a missionary from the U.S., but uh, she brought up this uh, this book and movie about, uh, you know, heaven, is it real, from this boy who went and came back to heaven. So they, they came one afternoon and they were asking, well, is that real? So we were explaining to them, no, that's impossible. Uh, you know, we gave them, once you're dead, you're either in hell or in heaven and you're there, Luke 16, and only the Lord Jesus, John 1, 18, has come to reveal the Father, etc. So... And Olivia was so uh, interested that she wrote down all the scripture references, kind of to defend her faith in the Christian school. <laughs> because sometimes they, it's funny, our kids get persecuted because they don't believe in miracles from the charismatic standpoint. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm overstating it, but there's a strong, as you know, charismatic influence, traditional. Mm -hmm. So we're grateful to the Lord for that because that has spurred questions in their minds that allows us to seek to instruct them from the Word and also to teach them to be humble, loving, mm -hmm. and not to come across like, I'm going to straighten out everyone, bunch of uh, charismatics and traditional <laughs> Baptists repent, you know. But to be humble and not to, to be respectful to the teachers, loving and serve the other kids. And, uh, you know, so that's that's what's, uh, how the Lord has used that situation at the school. Now, that's wonderful. That's that's incredible opportunities to teach them every day when they come home, probably just different things happening and God is faithful to meet all those needs in his word. That's wonderful. Um, so now let's kind of go back again until, you know, you were leaving for Mexico um, at what, in what year? And I know you've been there for quite a while now, but maybe you could share with the ladies some of the um, maybe differences, maybe not difficulties so much, because there is so much available there, but just some of the differences that you adjusted to and moving moving over there, and um, maybe some of the things that you really enjoy about being there, whether it be in your church or just in the culture. Well, um, we came in 2002, so it's been, what, 12 years? It's always the age of Olivia, 12 years, and I would say Mexico City is very modern, but like all third world countries, it has like very wealthy, wealthy people and then very, very poor people. So that I think that's a huge um, shock at first to see this huge difference, you know, people begging on the street and then Saks Fifth Avenue is right next door. No, um, probably the biggest difference would be the lack of safety as there's a lot of problem with kidnapping and and murder and um, robberies and, and things like that. And we've had, you know, it's interesting to hear the prayer requests of people at church because someone will have been assaulted and um, thanking the Lord that he that the person wasn't killed. You know, a, a girl, one of our pastor's daughters this week, was, I mean, she was um, dry, walking home from dropping her child off at school and a, a guy who was very well-dressed came up on a bicycle and, and demanded her cell phone. I mean, it was in the morning. I mean, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, and so everything's, I mean, I think that's the biggest adjustment. I don't go to, like, a park with the kids. or. And I remember when we first came here, Luis's cousin, was it, who was helping us, and she said, don't ever take your ch eyes off your children. <laughs> no, 
because I think for a second in the store, I had put Olivia down in her little car seat and I, I glanced a different direction. <laughs> and so you always have to have your purse on your shoulder when you're in a store buying things. I think that's probably as a mom, what maybe concerns you the most is this constant sense of apprehension and not being af and not being afraid because God's in control, but, but just being really, really aware and always, you know, trying to protect them. I think that's probably for me, the biggest change and other things. I think I've stopped noticing Jill. We've been here so long. <laughs> I don't even, I mean, I, I try to cook like a Mexican. <laughs> I'm not that good. Mexicans cook much better than I do, but <laughs> You know, you have to adjust, you know, you if you can't find lots of peanut butter, you know, you start using Mexican food. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, when uh, I'm, I'm thinking uh, uh, just a simple example, uh, when we used to have the monthly meetings uh, with the professors at the seminary, when uh, we first got here, I was very concerned that it was, we did everything on time, we started on time, and uh, I was very, you know, it was, I was even bothered, I came from the U.S. after being there for seven years, and I told them, well, we need to start on time, etc., and then 12 years later, you know, it doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> I'm late, I'm late now, no, I try to be on time, but, but yeah, seriously, you know, now I'm, I'm often late, and Robin tells me, come on, you need to be on time, so... Yeah, I'm confessing here. I've, I've adapted too much. No, that's okay. You fit in. Maybe it's good that you are more comfortable with people just coming in a little later since that's where you live. And, you know, it can be stressful if you're not, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to have stress or bitterness towards other people if that's just how they live their lives. And, you know, I remember being a missionary and finding some things that bothered me. And then later on, they didn't bother me at all. And it was actually good because then you can just love the people more, you know, which is the most important, it seems, when you're there to, to teach them about God's Word. Right, because there are things that don't matter. You're right. At first, it might seem like it's a big deal, but then, like you said, it's, it's not important. Yeah. All right, so... Um, I guess we pretty much know that Catholicism is the national religion there, right? Right. 90, around 90%, 89%. So I'm sure you meet Catholics all the time. Do you have Catholics come into your church? Do you have opportunities to evangelize them? We do, and it's, uh, it's wonderful. Uh, sometimes even in the most uh, least expected situations, um, mostly most of the evangelism that we have going on uh, through the church and the seminary, uh, seems to take place at a personal level through relationships. Uh, I guess, part of the, since it's part of the culture, as all of you know, ladies, I mean, Mexicans are big on uh, relationships and spending time with each other. So I think uh, that's why most of the evangelism takes place through uh, meeting a neighbor or uh, relatives or co-workers. Yeah, and it's, it takes a while, I think, in part because it takes a while, meaning uh, obviously the Lord is sovereign in, in opening the heart whenever He wants to, with, uh, of whomever He wants. But uh, because of the safety issue here and the just strong traditions, 
Usually Catholics here in Mexico tend to see anyone who's non-Catholic as uh, is a part of a cult. Mm -hmm. So they see us as, you know, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and uh, Christians. We're, you know, we're one and the same. So it takes a while for them to see uh, the truth, uh, to be exposed to the truth of the Word and how, what it does in your life. Uh, generally speaking, again, you know, the Lord sometimes might change someone faster. So how many evangelical churches are there in Mexico City? Do you have an idea? I have no clue, Jill, <laughs> but there's a lot. Uh, we were between 25 and 30 million, the whole metropolitan area. And uh, you just keep hearing of a church here and there and there. So there's a lot of, of churches. I don't have an official number. And there's not too many Pentecostal. Yeah, and there's most of them are Pentecostal, charismatic, most of them small, uh, maybe a hundred or less, you know. Are there many good churches that teach the Bible and um, exposit the word like you do at your church? Or? No, proportionally, of course, they're the minority, just like in the U.S. And uh, uh, we're grateful more and more are preaching the word. We see after 16 years of the seminary's work here, uh, the Lord continues to bring men who commit to the preaching of the word. So, uh, you know, there's churches now, though. We can recommend more churches today than we were able to 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that is encouraging, you know, because you're seeing the, how the Lord is using his word. So was your church started before you guys got there, or were you a part of starting that church? No, it was already started. It was already existing. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we first got here 12 years ago, we came to preach to this church once, uh, <clears throat> once a, mm -hmm. a month. I came to preach. Mm -hmm. and, and something, you know, to encourage uh, all of you is that uh, the pastors of this church asked me to become the, the, the elders asked me to become their pastor uh, when their pastor was leaving. But when we got there, there, they had already been attending Shepherds Conference for probably uh, 98, probably four or five years. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense in which uh, what I came to do was already, uh, it was already the, the, op the, the trail was open through the Ministry of Grace, through the Shepherds Conferences and, and Pastors from Grace and professors at the Master's Seminary had come every summer. Mm -hmm. So when we came, in a sense, they had already kind of laid the foundation. Through God's providence, there was already a place for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They, they wanted it. When, when I got here, they wanted it, mm -hmm. at least in this situation. That's so neat. Can you tell us a little bit more about your church? You know, I hate to ask for numbers of people because that's not really important, but just so we can have a picture in our minds of, you know, your church and maybe just talk about some of the activities that you do. Robin, if you want to share, I know you're busy with the women and, um, you know, just share some of the things, maybe even some of the relationships you have there that are special to you. Well, we'll put up with this cardinal question about the numbers. No, just kidding. <laughs> No, no, it's, I'm joking, Joe. Well, there's about 220, 240 people who are at the service every every Sunday. And so we're very grateful people keep coming. And uh, again, the seminary has been a key part because 
-hmm. after so many years, you know, they start hearing and and so it's it's been a, a blessing. And I'll let Robin tell you about the the relationships and ministry she has. <laughs> well, um I'm not I don't have a lot of time to to teach or anything. I'm just I'm I've been serving in the nursery because when we got there there was no nursery. And I think um Olivia and Rodrigo were the only babies at the beginning. I think there was one other baby, right? Or two. Yeah. And so we kept, so at the beginning, um, and I, I don't know if many missionary wives know this going out because I didn't think about it logically, but there was no, I was probably in church 10% of the time because between my babies getting sick and, um, which is normal and serving in nursery as I was like one of the only people who was doing it, there were a few other ladies with me. You know, I just missed, you know, you would come to Sunday, you would come to church and, and it was your turn to be in the nursery. So, I mean, you want to really make sure that you're spiritually ready for for going to the mission field because you really don't know how soon you're, maybe some women don't understand the language and won't understand what they're hearing in the service. I, lis I listen to lots and lots of sermons by John MacArthur, um, kind of because I had nothing else that was coming in, you know. So I've always been in the nursery and it's gotten bigger now. We have this Sunday we had 11 babies on this Sunday and you know, they all don't come at the same time because they get sick. So <laughs> there's more than 11. But I've always been involved in nurse in that. I guess having gone through that, you really want moms to be able to hear good teaching every week and so that just keeps motivating me because I want the moms to be able to to do what I wasn't able to do for so long and you know between babies getting sick and things they don't come as much as everyone else so there's always a lot of need in my mind there and it also gives me a good opportunity to get to know younger women in the church and develop a relationship with them because you know, if you're caring for their baby and you're changing their baby's diaper every Sunday, they start to like you. Hopefully. <laughs> no? So there's a monthly, um, there's a monthly Bible study for young moms. The other, one of the other pastor's wives who, her husband actually went to master's. Her name is Gabby Ortega. Um, she is teaching it and um, we've, specifically try to make it for them young wives or young mothers that they can come with their babies and they come to our home once a month and that's about all I can handle that's about all they can handle <laughs> and on Sunday mornings I teach a little Sunday school class while Luis teaches at nine not very many people come he teaches the Old Testament at nine there's not a lot of people who can make it and so I usually have about five or seven children and they're all different ages so I've had to learn how to teach them from like four-year-olds up to 12. It's an interesting group but since it's never really big it's it's usually not too overwhelming and I'm just teaching what Luis is teaching so he's going through acts and when I'm in the sermon I'm taking my notes so that I'm ready to teach the kids. <laughs> no? So that's been good. That's been fun. That's wonderful, and it sounds like you're really honoring God by serving in the church, and 
Um, you guys are a great team, and I know that you're best friends. Um, but I wonder, do you have any other women friends that you enjoy seeing? Maybe the ladies even at the Bible study that meets in your home, or you know, just to know that you're not totally isolated and you know away from friends. Do you have some friends there? <laughs> well, I would say that all my friends are really here. I mean, when you go to another country, trying to keep in touch with people back and you're in the United States, it's not easy. And so, I mean, it's not the same to talk on the phone as it is, or to email as it is to sit down and really know these ladies. I love the women in our church. I, the, the women I'm closest to would be the pastor's wives. And there's three of them. And the Lord has been very gracious. One of them is in what her, almost her sixties. The other one's in her almost fifties and the other one's on almost forties. And so anytime I've needed advice or, or encouragement, I call them, you know, if I need counsel, they always know what to say because they've been, they've been there. So I tell them they're my tightest two women. <laughs> and so they've been a real encouragement to me. I mean, we're always at the same events together. We're always at church together. I mean, we really spend our lives together. I mean, I would think that when my grad kid, children graduate from high school, I you Church, 
and another one in the country of El Salvador. And the most exciting part of all of these extensions is that in none of, none of, in none of these extensions I teach either our professors, we're a core group of eight professors who teach at the headquarters, but in the extensions, we are having now graduates who are teaching those courses. So for us, it's a dream because that's exactly what we want to do, to be replaced and, uh, you know, the Lord takes us to glory or whatever he does, you know, the ministry keeps going. So we're very excited and grateful to the Lord for how uh, all these men are committed to the word, love the word, uh, love, for example, Grace Community Church, love Pastor MacArthur, and that's important man, because uh, that's what we we represent the Lord first of all, and then Grace and our pastor, our elders, and all the church, and uh, that that just shows you uh, the Lord's grace because sometimes you know in certain circles you cannot mention the name of our pastor or others, you have to walk on eggshells, but they they just uh, respect and have such a sense of gratitude and love and uh, appreciation for for our pastors at Grace and the church as a whole that, uh, you know, that's that's their model that they seek to mm -hmm. emulate. So we're, we're very grateful to, for that. That is that is incredible. Praise the Lord. What a blessing to have such unity with, with your there. Yeah. By the way, just to give you an idea, uh, we had last, a uh, quick, quick example. Last uh, week we had a uh, a big event in Mexico here in the World Trade Center. It's called Expo Cristiana, Christian Expo. We had a couple of displays. We always have them together. Grace to you in Spanish. Gracias a vosotros uh, in Spanish. Uh, you know, John's ministry in radio and books in Spanish. And also the Word of Grace Biblical Seminary, always together. And one person, a couple of people, well, there were about 50 people who came to us for the Strange Fire book in Spanish because they could not find it, because the largest distributor of books in Mexico City banned the book because they said that it's forbidden. <laughs> and as a contrast to that, at the seminary now, in uh, the course on uh, Doctrine of the Spirit, right now, uh, that is very currently being taught by Rogelio Espinosa, one of our pastors at the church, also a professor, uh, one of our textbooks used to be Charismatic Chaos, and it was now replaced by Strange Fire, and there's 40 students eating up the book. In that course on Doctrine of the Holy Spirit, one of the books that were used to, what is used as a textbook used to be Charismatic Chaos, and now uh, it was replaced by Strange Fire. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's, 30, there's 40 students in that class who are eating up the book, they're loving it, just as a contrast to the other group to the big uh, bookstore that I mentioned to you where they banned book because they thought uh, it was forbidden. So we're grateful to, to see the love of uh, how he's produced a love for the truth mainly in the students. And at the same time, uh, just uh, there's such a sense of gratitude and love towards uh, our pastor, John and Grace Church that even extends to those details, uh, you know, in the books and all of that. Yeah, he really cares. He doesn't want people to get caught up in something that isn't scriptural. That's that's wonderful. Okay, well, we're coming to a close, and I really would like to know um, how we can pray for you guys. And um, what we would like to do in just a little while, a few minutes, is pray for you 
on the Skype. But um, before we do that, please tell us personally and then also in your ministry different ways that we can be in prayer for you. Well, I know that you're always praying for sanctification, for our obedience uh, personally, and uh, um, for the salvation of our children. I think as a mom, that's what I'm always most concerned about. And um, to pray, obviously, for sanctification, for holiness in the church, that the Lord would continue blessing you know, the seminary and the the humility that the professors have to be able to work with each other. They're from what? How many different churches? Four. Mm-hmm. No, I mean it's it's a blessing to see that, and that's obviously what we would want the Lord to continue to do. And uh, I would add to that. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, probably it was last week uh, or a couple of weeks ago. Last two three weeks, I was uh, I visited in one week uh, four hospitals, which is unusual because we're not a large church, but several people in our church were sick and uh, and uh, just just for strength, you know, for grace. Uh, in uh, we have a couple of things come to mind. A man called Juan Carlos Lozada, Juan Carlos, uh, he has a brain tumor and. Uh, He's really clinging to the Lord, and uh, we we're seeing trust and dependence, and and uh, by medical standards, he should have been dead. And they gave him a, a time frame of seven months, and he's he's now into nine months and clinging to the Lord along with his wife, grateful for how the Lord is using His Word and the love of the church. And so uh, you can pray for him and. Another family called the Bennets. Uh, they just lost a 32-year-old 30, uh, daughter-in-law to lupus. Lupus, right? That's how you call it in English. Lupus. Because she just had delivered a baby. And uh, the baby is, uh, is three pounds. Three pounds, right? Yeah, it was born at five months. About three pounds in, uh, you know. And now the, the baby is uh, without a mother and... So this lady in our church, who's a believer, the mother-in-law is going to be taking care of the baby. The, the, the son is an unbeliever. So uh, just, with, I'm just to give a couple of examples, wisdom to serve these people and, and just be a channel of His grace. You know, all these things uh, show you how impotent you are to serve people aside from uh, seeking uh, to to love them as scripture shows us to be available and to preach to them the word and and just to you know do whatever we can to to uh to be channels of the Lord's grace and uh I would add also if if there's any way we can pray or serve any of you ladies uh just let us know you can get our email address and uh, anytime you want to visit the Contreras Plaza it's a hotel here where we live it's it's all inclusive except for the airfare. Just show up at the airport and we'll pick you up. <laughs> that is so sweet. Thank you so much. You guys are so dear. I mean, you just so dear. We love you. My friend over here is saying, we love them. We love them. We love you guys. We really do. And we're so thankful for you. We really are. And your love for the Lord and... What a blessing. What a blessing to, to know you and 
our God is only good, only provides blessings, even through our fellowship together. So now we want to bring you before the Lord in prayer. So let's go ahead and do that. Lord, we thank you so much for Luis and Robin and for their dear children. And um, we just thank you for the work that you've done in their hearts and in their minds and just the place that you've brought them to, Lord. And um, just you've taught them so much. Luis has the training and he does have so much wisdom already, Lord. And he's asking for more. We pray that you would bless him with more and just continue to help them to minister there, Lord. We just pray that in such a dangerous place that you would keep them safe. And we know that you are everywhere and uh, we see your hand every day, even though we don't live in a dangerous place. But um, we just you are always taking care of us and working out the worst things to be the best in your way. And we just pray that you would do that for them as well. Keep them and their children safe and have your hand on the whole church, Lord. And we just pray that you would continue to protect them and care for them and bless them. And I'm sure that they have grown so much in strength through all of this, Lord. And we just pray that you would give them peace. And um, we just pray that uh, we could be like them too, strong in trusting you, even in difficult circumstances, Lord. We just pray that you continue to sanctify Luis and Robin, and um, we just pray that you would continue to grow them to be what you would have them to be so that they, they might be used by you even more fully, if that would be your will. We just pray for Rodrigo and Olivia and Ana Gabriela. We just pray that you would uh, work in their hearts and bring them to know you so that you could use them too, Lord, someday, if it would be your will. We just pray that the church would be holy and that the believers there might desire that and just desire to please you in all things, Lord. And uh, we thank you so much for the unity of the professors there in the Bible seminary. And we just pray that you would um, continue to give them love for one another and just uh, desire to serve you together, Lord. And we just pray that uh, you would watch over all these people from the church who've been sick and have had uh, difficult times with diseases and things, Lord. And we just pray that you would give them strength and um, just help them to feel your grace during those, these difficult trials. And we think of Juan Carlo with the brain tumor. We just pray, Lord, that you would have your hand on him. And um, it sounds like he's he's going to die. And we know that that's not not really a bad thing. Once you know, once we know you, Lord, we can look forward to being with you. And I just pray that you would give Juan your peace and help him to look forward to that, Lord, and to have a joy in that. And Lord, we pray also for the family that lost the the thirty two year old daughter in law to lupus, and um, we just pray that you would comfort them in this difficult situation and. Lord, if it might be your will, please help the baby's dad to come to know you and um, be with this little little tiny baby also, Lord. We just pray that this child might also come to know you if it would be your will. But we just pray that you would surround them with your, your love and your grace and that they might st uh, seek for you, Lord. Please open their eyes. And Lord, uh, we just pray again for Luis and Robin, just to continue to be wise in, in their service of you there, Lord. And we just pray that you would guide them and lead them. And um, we just pray that you would 
continue to give them abundant love for all the people there in the church that they work with and in the seminary and even people in their neighborhoods, Lord. And we just pray that you would bless them. In your name we pray. Amen.